0: Uh, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. I have the privilege of uh, serving here, and uh, you picked a great day to be here. I don't care if you're here because you made a promise to God about the Cubs. Uh, I don't care if you're here because you finally gave up the ghost that it, summer is actually over. It's November. All right, I'll get back in the routine of things. I don't care if you're here every week. I'm just glad you're here. Really glad you're here. You picked a great day to be here. Yeah. Uh, before, we, uh, before we jump into what we're going to talk about today... Uh, I want to tell you about something that we do every year that you can be a part of. Uh, December the 18th, Sunday, December the 18th, is uh, when we have our annual Christmas concert. It's an amazing experience. You'll want to invite friends and families. There'll be multiple opportunities that day to, to experience the concert. I tell people it's like the Blue Man Group meets Christmas, kind of, sort I of. Don't, I don't know. Kinda, if you've been there, you know, right? It's amazing. Uh, but that day, the last several years we've been doing this, that same day, we take what we call the Christmas offering. Now, what the Christmas offering is, is that we take an offering together, and we give 100% of that away. Uh, We want to be a generous church, and so we said, okay, let's just do this. I mean, we could sure use it around here, but we're going to give it all away. And so we set a goal. We said we want to raise $75,000 this year and give every penny of it away. Uh, Now, what we want to do, the last several years, we've done a a couple things every year, but this year we want to do two specific things with that money. One is we know that you know people, friends, neighbors, acquaintances, people that you just run into, that you see that they have some kind of need. They can't pay their bills. They can't keep the lights on. They don't have groceries. The, cars, the tires on their car are bald. Um, there's just some kind of thing. They just can't get there. And if they had a little bit of help, it would make a world of difference. And so uh, the last couple of years we've done this, um, you've gone out, and you, what you've done is you've nominated people, and there's a, a web address, reallifecc.org slash Christmas. You can go to the form you fill out, and you nominate somebody, and the last couple of years, about 115, 110 people per year uh, have been impacted by you doing that, and the stories that come back, not only from the people who have received the help, but who give the help, they say, this is the best thing I've done all year. I mean, this is unbelievable. Um, but we're going we're gonna to up the ante. Uh, we, we don't want to just impact 115 families. We want to impact 300 families. So what that means is, is if you call real life home, uh, we're not, I'm not talking to the person behind you. I'm not talking to the person to either side of you or the person in front. I'm talking to you, right? And me. Uh, you got to find somebody and you got to nominate them. And then what happens, we take the Christmas offering and then we write a check to whatever that organ, they need, you know, if it's an Ipsco or whatever. And we give the check to you and you take the check and you say, hey, uh, I just wanted you to know our church cares, and here you go, and it's powerful, so we want 300 uh, uh, of you to do that, and um, we believe that you can do that. Now, we also, uh, a portion of that we want to give to uh, the partnership we have with Kujip Nazarene Hospital in Papua New Guinea. If you were here a few weeks ago, Dr. Scott Dooley, who's the head of that hospital in the rural highlands of Papua New Guinea, basically a, a group of people still in the Stone Age with no access to medical care because of the way they do medicine, They're able for pennies on the dollar to meet the needs of patients uh, compared to what would happen here. And so we're going to give $15,000 of that to them, and that will enable them to uh, literally serve thousands of patients in this next year. And uh, so we're going to do that together. Now, here's how we make that happen. Uh, On December the 18th, we all give one day's wages. Figure that out, whatever that is for you, one day's wages. For some of you, that will represent a tremendous sacrifice. For some of you, that won't represent a sacrifice at all, and you can give multiple days wages but here's here's the kicker uh especially if you got kids i've got kids and had this conversation on the way here today they were telling me all the thing the list of things they want for christmas that gets longer every single day right and i said guys now whose birthday is it on christmas and they said jesus i said rice right, because christmas is not your birthday just turn to your neighbor and say christmas ain't your birthday <laughs> right so here's here's what we're challenging you to do okay we're challenging you to say okay christmas is about jesus and the people that jesus cares about jesus cares about people who are in in, who have needs and who are broken and who just don't know where to turn and so we want to be the hands and feet of jesus and so it's going to require a sacrifice so i'm having the conversation with my kids you have kids you have the conversation with your kids and say guys we can still have a great time but we're going to celebrate jesus together i want to challenge you to do this as a family and have this conversation and actually do this right so we're going to give it all away together everybody game for that Okay. Good. 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 Uh, bo- both of you will do a great job that day. That'd be awesome. <laughs> man. Uh, so, and, and here's the number. Here's the deal. If everyone who called real life home gave a day's wages, we've crunched the numbers. We will blow through that goal. So if you go, oh, we do that, piece of cake. Piece of cake. So I hope you'll participate on that. Well, we always look at a passage of scripture together. I want to invite you to stand with me if you would. We're going to read uh, a passage of scripture in the Gospel of Matthew. We're working our way through in in 2016. uh, Tell you some parables of Jesus. I'll read them aloud. You can follow along on the screen. He, that's Jesus, told them, that's his disciples, another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour and, uh, until it works all through the dough. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Uh, I want to talk to you today about uh, the goals that you have for your life. Uh, I don't know where people get this number. I think they're probably right on this number, but the people who study these kinds of things say that uh, 97% of Americans do not have written down goals. Uh, so that means 3% of us have a goal that we've written down. Now, that's not to say that you don't have some sort of goal that's just kind of vaguely floating in your head, um, but psychologists say that when you write it down, it gives it some sort of power. So you go, oh, that's a tangible thing that I actually uh, want to see have happen. And, and you know what goals are, right? It be, be something like, uh, you know, I want to I buy, buy a home. Or I want to be debt-free. Um, or if maybe if you're a Christian, hopefully one of your goals is I'd like to be part of making a disciple. I'd like to teach someone how to follow Jesus so that they pass it on to someone else. So there's a third generation of disciples away from me. Uh, the goals help us uh, move forward in life. They give us direction. Now, I, I, uh, I actually have some written down goals that I read every week. I have a, a number of them that I've written down, and um, some weeks I do great at them. Some weeks I just am terrible and I don't uh, don't succeed at them at all. A couple of them are uh, that I want my wife to flourish. I'd like it when she, either if I go first or she goes first, whatever the case may be, that at the end she says, you know what, I'm, I'm a graceful woman who felt like. My husband believed in me and supported me. And now listen, some weeks I am terrible at that, to be honest with you. Some weeks I do okay. But I have it written down as a goal that I read every week. One of my other goals that are written down is that I want my kids to follow Jesus. In fact, I have it written down that I want my grandkids to follow Jesus because their parents will say to them, we taught, my, my parents taught us how to follow Jesus because uh, their, my grandpa taught them how to follow Jesus. That's kind of how I have it written down. Uh, That's a goal for me. I've written down. I look at it every week. Uh, There's something about the power of writing down a goal, but I want to talk to you about the goals of your life. Now, goals uh, goals are what philosophers call an end. In other words, it's the place that I want to end up. It's where I'm headed. They give us direction in life. So if what the statistics say is true, that 97% of people have no written down goals, what that means is 97% of people have no idea where they're headed in life right? They're just kind of out for a walk, wandering around, like, I'm not sure what's going to happen next, right? That's kind of their, their path, because goals give us a direction, and, and if you don't have some direction that you're moving toward, here's what you're doing. You're drifting. Now, here's the reality with drifting. If you've ever been in a boat that's not, been in a boat that's not anchored and drifts, um, you think that you're completely free and you're unmoored, and you can go any direction that you want, but the reality is is that you're pushed along by a current. So the reality for most Americans is they think they're free, and they're doing whatever they want, but in reality, they're being pushed along by a current they don't even know is pushing them, right? They're under the control of something, and they're under the guise at the same time that they're completely and totally free. Maybe you've heard this, uh, this maxim from the world of management. Your system is perfectly designed to give you the results that you're getting. You heard that before? Like if in your work you're like, well, I don't know why this is happening, I don't know why. that Well, if you look at the system and how it's all set up, probably it's designed to give you exactly the results you're getting. And if you want to change that, you have to change the system. Well, that's true of your life too. So as your pastor, I'd, I'd love to give you, uh, if I could, a couple of life goals. Now, better than just you knowing yourself and writing some things down, what if you could have God's goals for your life? And you could write those down, and you could say, that's the end. That's the direction that I'm moving my life, and my life is not on drift, and I'm being pushed by forces I'm not even aware of. So here we are at this, uh, this series. We're calling it A Bigger Life, and uh, as we look at this series, we're talking about God's kingdom. This is one of the main themes of Jesus' ministry. If you read through the Gospel of Matthew like we've been doing this year, Together, you find out that this is one of the the main things that Jesus comes back to again and again. It was his favorite topic for a sermon. I'm sure his disciples were kind of like, Jesus, could you get some new material? You're always talking about the same thing and using the same illustrations. Uh, But the kingdom of God is about the reign of God. And so, in other words, Jesus is always talking about what your life could be like if God had authority over your life and were in charge of your life. So Jesus is always painting that picture. And what he's doing as he invites us into the kingdom of God is he's saying, uh, he's making to us an invitation to live a bigger life. Now, that means that if you're going to live a bigger life than the one you currently are living, that you're going to have to become a bigger person. So I'll just kind of kept catch you up. The first week in the series, we talked about uh you having to choose your loyalties I talked about the passage where jesus said I, I did not come to bring peace i came to bring a sword in other words his message his words make you choose your loyalties you have to choose with jesus always second week we talked about a, if you were here you remember we talked about a, a, jesus gives us a warning not to ruin the next generation and in the words of jesus you can either be part of a wicked and adulterous generation that controls people and controls how they think and controls the way they act or you can become a repentant and humble person, a person who's able to change their mind and is uh, approachable and someone who's uh, a humble person. And then uh, Pastor Michael Downs was here. He talked about marriage. And then last week, if you were here, you t- we talked about God's perspective. We talked about the parable of the seeds and the weeds. And if you are here, remember I said to you, I have no grounds for judging you, but I better judge me. That's God's perspective on our life. So here Jesus gives us these two parables. It's the parable of what's called the, the parable of the mustard seed. And the parable of the yeast. Now, what are these two things? There's there's progress in both of them. Uh, the mustard seed grows into a tree, and the yeast goes into some flour and makes bread. So these are these are uh, parables about things that grow. So this is something to do with growth in our life. So when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like in these parables, he's talking to us about how God's kingdom grows, right? Because that again, that mustard seed grows into a tree. Uh, the yeast grows into a loaf of bread that you can eat. So put it in the, in the context we're talking about here. The end, the goal that God has in mind, the goal that God has in our uh, mind for our life, is like the mustard seed. The end of the mustard seed is a tree. Uh, the end of the yeast, the direction the yeast is moving, is the loaf of bread that people can enjoy and eat. These are the goals of God's kingdom. Now, I know that sounds a little abstract, uh, so let me bring it down for you, because I had some questions as I was working through this, and I thought, what about this and what about that? And maybe you're having these same questions, uh, and I'll just ask them and see if maybe that's what you were thinking. Uh, But one of the questions I had was, well, where, when we talk about God's kingdom, but where is God's kingdom? I mean, where does the reign of God work? How does that happen? Uh, Is it in politics? Uh, The answer, if you know the, the story of Jesus in the New Testament, is yes and no. No, in the sense that it's not our politics. Now, some people uh, take faith and they twist it and they make it about a certain political party, but they fail to understand what Jesus said to Pilate when he was in, on, on trial before his crucifixion. And, and Jesus talked about his kingdom, and, and he said to Pilate, "My kingdom is not of this world. Meaning, it's not of the. Uh, it's not a part of this system. Uh, this way of doing things. My kingdom is not of this world. So it's not about." our politics the way we think about politics there's not a party that god is for or not a party that god is against um so it's not that but it is about god's politics because see god is in charge of everything god is over all of the universe the nations the bible says are a drop in the bucket so here's something i believe to the core of my being that the kingdom of god is greater than america now if that offends you and you're from canada uh, let me tell you that the kingdom of God is greater than Canada. <laughs> if you're from Mexico, the kingdom of God is greater than Mexico. If you're from France, the kingdom of God is greater than France. In other words, God's kingdom, God's politics is about reshaping the entire world, not about one political system in one specific country. In fact, there's this, uh, this song that I grew up on uh, when I was a kid, uh, this hymn, it was called This Is My Father's World. He painted this beautiful picture about this is God's world. And though the wrongs seem off so strong, God is the ruler yet. God's in charge of everything. So it, it, so is it, po- is it political? Well, yes and no. Um, is it in heaven? Is that where it is? Well, it's same, same answer. Yes, uh, yes and no. No in the sense that sometimes when we think about heaven, we kind of put it in the category of Star Wars. Uh, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And we think heaven is this place way out there, some, some place that if we're good enough, we'll maybe get to. But it doesn't really bear down on my actual life. And so it uh, doesn't have anything to say to me today. And so we think, so in that sense, no, it's not that reality. It's what Jesus talked about. And if you've been around here, you've heard us say this. Uh, that when Jesus taught us to pray what we know as the Lord's Prayer, what did he teach us to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, heaven would come down to earth, that God would make it down here like it is up there. This is, this is kind of, God's kingdom is meant to come down into the world that we live in. Now Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he's, when in the first place he mentions the kingdom of heaven, he says that the kingdom of heaven, he says repent, change your mind, is what the word means, Because the kingdom of heaven is near or at hand, which means it's like you're right here facing this way, going this direction, and the kingdom of heaven is right here. And if you would just turn, if you would just go, oh, it's right here, you could step into a totally different reality. A totally different way of seeing things, a totally different way of seeing yourself, a totally different way of seeing people. And you'd be a different person. Jesus says it like this in in, um, Luke chapter 17. He says the kingdom of God is within you. Right? So he's saying when God reigns, what God does is he reigns inside of the human heart. Now, I don't mean by that that you're just supposed to look inside yourself. You're to meditate later today and look deep inside yourself for the well that is you. And there within you will find the kingdom of God. Now, that's not what I mean. I mean that the kingdom of God comes from the outside and invades you on the inside like that seed goes down into the ground. And when it comes up, it invades the soil like when that yeast goes into that bread, it goes into that bread and it, it influences all of that bread so it causes that bread to rise. In the same way, the kingdom of God is meant to come and take you over from the inside out and it becomes something bigger than you could have ever expected. Now, that might, you might go, well, that sounds kind of spooky. Uh, let me give you a different example. I'm sure there was a day uh, when Ben Zobrist was a, a little kid, the first day that his dad came to him with a little kid baseball glove, and gave it to him and put it on his hand and took a picture with his phone or his camera and then he gave him one of those little plastic bats and the little plastic ball and he tossed the little ball to him and he swung the bat for the first time and that was the first time he was introduced to the kingdom of baseball and then he got in the Little League and then he probably traveled did travel ball and then he he went to college he actually went to Olivet Nazarene University if you know about that what the school we're related to uh, And then he got into the big leagues. Well, what happened? The kingdom of baseball invaded more and more of his life and took over his life. Now, Ben Zobris happens to be a follower of Jesus, and he would tell you that Jesus is way more important than baseball. But do you see what I'm trying to say? It has to invade you and take over your life and become everything about you. So if the kingdom of—so stay with me here. So if the kingdom of God is within you, then the goals that Jesus paints for us in these two parables— then these are God's goals for you. And if these are God's goals for you, this is the end that God has in mind for your life, the direction God wants your life to go. And if that is true, and that's the, these are the directions, uh, this is the direction that God wants your life to go, wouldn't it be important for you to know what those goals are so you could write them down and look at them every week and go, now how am I making progress on that goal? So let's unpack this a little bit so we can, if you can begin to see what I'm, I'm saying here. Verse 31, I'll read it to you again. Jesus tells them the parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now, Now, there's the seed, right? Here's a picture of a mustard seed. It's very, very small. Uh, I don't know if it is the actual smallest of all seeds. I think Jesus is using a bit of hyperbole, just saying it's very, very small. And the seed, now, is not you. Jesus is not talking about you. The seed is God's kingdom in you. So Jesus is not talking about your potential and being all that you can be. He's talking about allowing God's kingdom to come into you and God's potential to blossom in you. And you have the potential in this image of a seed to become something, right? Because there's always something inside the seed, right? What happens when you plant something in the ground? You plant the thing in the ground, and you look on the package that says that this is going to become this kind of a tree, and so you plant the acorn down in the ground. And now you don't go, well, you know, I wonder how the acorn's doing, and you take, I think I'll add some bleach and bleach around the ground. You don't do that, right? You give it the right food, and you give it the right water, and then as it grows up, you want the potential in the seed to show up on the outside, right? That's what you're always for. There's this potential in it. Well, this is the kind of the images that Jesus is saying, is there's this seed that God plants in you. And there's potential because God's planted it in you for you to become something. So he says there's a man who planted, that's you and me. You're you're the man, you're the woman. You let God do his work in you and you choose. You say, God, I'm willing for the seed to go into my life and become whatever you mean for it to be. I may not, I don't understand exactly what that means, but whatever you mean for it to be, I'm going to let it grow and flourish and become the full thing that it's meant to be. And so then Jesus says this seed becomes a tree. Now, if you know anything about mustard, And mustard seeds mustard seeds don't become trees they become a plant now it's usually eight or ten feet tall something like that here's a picture of kind of a uh uh, in the middle east of a mustard plant that kind of gone wild um and what jesus is saying is not only will it not become just a plant the way you naturally would think about it but it's going to become something more than you could have ever expected here's what jesus is saying you'll become the kind of person that you will look back on and say I never thought it was possible that I could be that kind of a person. I had no idea. And so Jesus says you'll become a tree and, so that the birds will come and perch in its branches. Now this is the end that God has in mind. And, and here's what it means by the bird because this is the goal that God has for your life. If you know the the narrative of the Old Testament, um, in Ezekiel, in Daniel, in the Old Testament, these birds are mentioned. And every time the birds and trees are mentioned, it's a reference to the nations. It's a reference to all the different nations and tribes and tongues and languages and cultures and values coming together in one place. So here's what what God is saying. It's not a bird that will land in your tree. Because, see, we like birds that are like us. Like, I want to hang out with birds that are like me and have my values and have my background. Jesus says instead that the birds of the earth, so plural, all of the different kinds of birds, because here's what we like to think. We like to go, well, I'd like to, I'd like to be around a Republican tree where everyone's Republican like me and then the Republican birds can land in it. Or I'd like to be part of the Democratic tree, the Democrat tree. Or I'd like to be part of the white people tree or the union tree or the management tree or the immigrant tree, or the rich people tree, or the poor people tree, or the educated people tree, or the uneducated people tree. I want to be in a tree just like me. This is not what Jesus has in mind. He says, no, the birds. So all of those groups of people uh, can land in the tree. So here's here's what Jesus is saying. This is the goal for your life. When God's kingdom grows in you, you'll become the kind of person who has a room for everyone. Uh, you'll stop seeing people according to categories, right? We label people, don't we? Oh, they're like me, they're not like me, they share my values, they don't share my values, I don't like them, they make me uncomfortable, they're different than me, they're not like me, I don't want to be around those people, they'll influence me in a bad way. One of my favorite uh, writers who's writing about this, his name's Dallas Willard, and he says this, I want to read it to you because it's so good. He says, these are the kinds of people that will be in the tree. The flunk outs and the dropouts and the burned outs. The broken, the broken, the drug heads and the divorced, the HIV positive and herpes-ridden, the brain damaged, the incurably ill, the barren and the pregnant too many times or at the wrong time. The overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed, the unemployable, the swindled, the shoved aside, the replaced, the parents with children living on the street, the children with parents not dying in the rest home, the lonely, the incompetent, the stupid, the emotionally starved or emotionally dead. Blessed are the physically repulsive. Blessed are those who smell bad, the twisted misshapen, deformed, too big, too little, too loud, the bald, the fat, the old, for they are, all, they are all riotously celebrated in the party of Jesus. Here's Remember I said life goal, right? Here's God's goal, is that you become the kind of person who welcomes anyone and everyone. Now, here's what we make goals about. We make goals about accomplishments and stuff. God's goals are always about the kind of person that you become much bigger than our goals. So when you, when you are in the place and you find yourself riding someone off, what you need to stop and say is, okay, God, I need to stop right here and recognize that I'm not there yet because the goal God has in mind for you, you'd become the kind of person that anyone and everyone is welcome with you without category and without label. Uh, now, this is true for churches too because, see, we're supposed to be a picture of heaven and that's why we want to be, as a church, uh, multicolored and multi-tongued and multi-relational there's i think at least two if not three languages that are spoken within people in our church and when i look around northwest indiana and the number of languages that even spoken in northwest indiana if you go to the beach and you hear people talking on the beach in different languages then we need to reflect that right because this needs to be we need to be a tree because if the kingdom of god is in me and the kingdom of god is in you and it's growing to fruition as a tree then our church ought to be that way too right we want to be the kind of church where you just you know you can be whatever you are And you're welcome here. Uh, Now, Jesus goes on. Kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Same kind of thing. The yeast is not, uh, the yeast, there's a picture of just some yeast, a small little bit of it. The yeast, again, it's not you. It's uh, God's kingdom in you. It's not your potential. It's God's potential in you. And it's the potential of like the seed to become something. It's the potential to influence something, right? Because that's what yeast does. It influences the flour. Here's a picture of some flour, probably in an industrial mixer. That's probably 30 or 40 or 50 pounds of flour, something like that. That little thing of yeast that you think can't influence that much flour, it influences it and changes the nature of it so it becomes something entirely different. This is the picture that God has, uh, that Jesus is giving us. Uh, And and here's what I want to suggest that the flower is. Now, I I think I'm in good grounds to say this. Uh, I've read what the commentators say about this passage, and they seem to be in in agreement with this. But I would suggest to you that the flower is people. That the yeast is God's kingdom in you, and that the flour is people. Jesus is always talking about people. And so the end that God has in mind for you is is your ability to influence people. Life goal number two, right? Here's God's goal for you. is that you'd become the kind of person who influences people for God's kingdom. Now, I mean, when you go into a place and you go, man, I, I don't think that I could ever influence my workplace. I mean, you just don't know what the people are like that I work with. I mean, you don't know their attitudes. You don't know my place. I don't, have a, I don't have a position of authority. I'm not someone who can influence things. That's not how God sees your life. God says that you're yeast, and the, it may look overwhelming, like how could this little bit influence all that? It can't do any of that. God's, one of God's goals for your life is that you'd become the kind of person who influences people anywhere that you are. Now, what does yeast do to dough? It causes it to rise, doesn't it? So in other words, one of God's goals for your life is that when you are around people, they rise. And they become something more delightful than they could have ever been on their own because of your influence. I've got a picture here of what yeast can turn into because I love Monster Donuts, and there's Monster Donuts for you. It's delicious. If you want to buy me some, I'll let you. See, these are... These are God's goals for your life. And if you find yourself giving up on someone, well, they just can't, you just know them, you know people, I mean, people are just like that. You're not there yet. Okay, God, I'm not there yet. Now, understand something. If you're a follower of Jesus or if you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, a Christian always does things because of what Jesus has already done for us. So Jesus is the tree that we landed in. I was one of the birds, I was one of the throwaway birds, I was one of the useless, I didn't have anything to offer but I found a place, I found a tree that I could land in. See, the, the tree is Jesus. And I, I didn't have anybody that was making me rise. I, didn't, I, I was on my own, I was drifting, and so God found me and now I'm rising because his influence is in my life and it's making my life rise. So what in the world do we do with all of this? I want to give you, um, just make this real practical, real simple, real quick. I want to give you what I call the three shuns of growth. You'll see what I mean here in just a second. Three shuns of growth. Uh, First is vision, right? Vision, you get wordplay there. Uh, You have to know where you're going, right? Do you see that God's kingdom is an option for you? Do you see that if God were in charge of your life, it'd be better than the drifting life that you have where you're just like, I hope it turns out okay. That you could become a person who uh, allows other people to be around you and you don't categorize people and label people and you're not one of those, you're a different kind of person. People are like, how is it that people are always around them? That you could become the kind of person that influences people? And people are like, how is is it that every time someone is around them, they get better? What is so different about you? You have to have a vision for that, right? The second shun of growth is intention. Um, You have to have a plan to get there. You have to just say, I'm going to let God's kingdom grow in me and become whatever it's meant to be. I'm going to let God's kingdom influence me and rise in me and make me a different kind of a person till it takes over my entire life and I become, in some people's perspective, one of those crazy religious people. Now, I'm not meaning be a nut. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, please don't be a nut. But in the sense of, you're like, you're completely sold out to God's kingdom. Uh, and then you have, to have uh, you have to have something that you're doing to make that work. So I'll give you, I'll give you a real practical way. We, we say it around here all the time is you have to have a way that you can love God and allow God's kingdom in. Now, one of the ways that I do that is I show up to a gathering like this every week. Now, you may say, well, you're saying I have to be here every week to grow No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that when I'm here uh, in the presence of uh, God's people, uh, that I hear God's word and I sing songs and my mind and attitude are changed and shaped and I go back out for the week. And I, it's, just a, it's just a rhythm. See, we're, we are the rhythms that we put in our life. It's just a rhythm. I just do it every week. I just always put myself in the place where I can hear God's voice. Sometimes when I'm not ready to, or not, sometimes when I don't want to, but I just put myself in the place where I can keep hearing. It's, and you might go, well, I can listen to a podcast. Listen, I listen to podcasts. I listen to two or three sermons from other people I like uh, around the country every week. But it's not the same as being there, right? It'd be like watching game seven on TV versus being there, right? If you know someone who was there, you're like, oh, tell me what it was like right? It's different than watching it versus being there. So I encourage you to be there. So you've got to have a, a corporate kind of thing, but you've got to have a personal thing where every day you're allowing the love of God into your life, and you start your day reading scripture, and you start your day praying, and you say, God, I want your influence in my life. I want the seed to go down and grow. I want the yeast to make me rise. I need your help. You have that, and then you love people, right? You, uh, you see the people in front of you, and you say i'm gonna actually try and love that person that's different than me and that right now i'm labeling and i'm categorizing but god help me to love them the way that you would love them and then this is the third uh the third shun of growth so vision intention mission right you just do the work every day you love those people in front of you you serve you serve the world around you you um, rake someone's leaves you mow someone's lawn you take them a meal you pay a bill uh you you show up here on a sunday and you work with kids or you're a greeter or you're an usher you have some way that you're giving back and that you're serving you're just you're doing the work every day of allowing God's kingdom into you and allow you to become a person of growth and influence you have to choose this though you have to write these things down and you have to look at them and say God these are your goals for my life and i want my life to move in that direction and not some other direction do you want that or do you want to drift I want to pray for you. Would you um, close your eyes if you would? I want you to just have a kind of a personal moment. No one's looking around at you. This is just your moment. And I'd invite you to take an inventory of your life. To what degree are you letting God's kingdom grow in you? To what degree are you allowing God's influence to shape your mind and your heart and your values? the way you treat the people around you? Right now in your life, is anyone and everyone welcome in your life? Do they know it? Right now in your life, are you a person of influence so that when people are around you, they rise god we're always uh, measuring ourselves engaging ourselves and and when we come up short we often don't know what to do and so thank you that your grace makes up the difference for when we come up short uh, that your kingdom when it goes into us like a seed it takes time to grow and so you're patient with the growth in us and your kingdom when it comes in is like the yeast and it it has to work its way through um, all of our attitudes and all of our values and all of our words and so we want to let it do that. We want to have your goals for our life. We don't want to drift. We want to go where you're taking us. And so God, I pray uh, that you give us the courage to allow your kingdom to grow in us, your influence to spread throughout every part of our life. All God's people said, amen. We always leave you with a blessing. I invite you to stand with me if you would. And you'll see people around you holding out their hands. That's their way of saying in a tangible way, I'd like to receive that. If you're comfortable with that, great. If not, that's okay too. Just receive this blessing. You're sent now to love God, to love people, to serve the world in his name. Hook somebody, tell them you love them. Our prayer team's down front if you need prayer.